keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday, January the 18th. 2023, praise be to God. The Vatican reopens an investigation into the uh, disappearance of a young girl. Back in 1983, Mr. Julio Laredo is going to be on to talk about what is the facts over there. They did uh, dig up tombs and grave sites and bones, none of which confirmed to be her. So what do they hope to achieve in all of this? Join us at 35 past the hour for that story. Hey, you know the problem with religious traditionalists? Well, I'm going to talk about that at 15 past the hour because new rumors are being spread that the TLM is going to be totally suppressed now that Benedict XVI has passed. We'll talk about that coming up. Do join us if you can. Lots of stories in the news, of course. There was a grotesque and evil story about a pedophile sex ring out of Atlanta couple of guys that adopted some boys and then did some horrific things in the community there. Uh, I don't even want to share that story. It's so bad. Hey, but here's another story that's pretty bad, too. Uh, McCarrick, you know, Mr. McCarrick, formerly Cardinal McCarrick? Well, his lawyers are saying he's not even competent to stand trial now, which means they're asking for a dismissal of his case. Will justice ever be uh, had in the Cardinal, former Cardinal McCarrick case? It might have to wait until he dies and has to face the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's pray for his soul. Diocese of Des Moines has banned preferred pronouns in schools. What do the kids say? Base, no cap. Cap, cap, no. What do they say? What is the, what's the saying? I'm going to keep it on stack with you, Joe. Oh, I see. They say <laughs> based. Legit. Or No, that's old. Do they say lit? Is that still a thing? No. Well, it's lit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally lit. Hey, an October 2022 version of the FAA Guide for Aviation Medical Examiners revealed that just after the, the COVID vaccine rollout, they changed the parameters of pilots' EKG readings because they were afraid there'd be a little problem and they didn't want them to be grounded. So Yikes. there's that. And over 50 Nigerian Christians remain in captivity after the Islamic attack on Christmas Day. You know, there's been 3,478 people killed in Nigeria since June. Yeah, it's such a tough story. You know, it's, it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, maybe we could talk about this in the after show after, mm. you know, after the show. But mm. uh, is it time to call a crusade, a holy crusade? Who, Who's, who are they going to call? Jason Jones is the only one answering Jason the Jones call. Jason Jones makes the answer. He uh, said the Vulnerable People Project is the only one answering the call. Couple soldiers of fortune to go and save Christians. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of American military in Africa, just not there to save Nigerian Christians. That's mm, all. Yeah. They're there for other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of other reasons, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Because you know what? What? Today mm -hmm. is a day mm -hmm. that ends in Y. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. People are, oh. people are shocked. People Deep are talking about it everywhere. By Adrian Fonseca. And you know what? Every day that ends in Y is a good day. Every <laughs> day that ends mm. in Y. Just don't start speaking the other language. Can I get that on like a post-it note or something? Can yeah, I write Deep that Thoughts down? with Adrian. We're going to put it on a poster. <laughs> and we're going to put it up on walls. 
<laughs> Deep thoughts with Adrian. Every day that ends in Y is a good day. Praise be to God. You know what I like to say? I'm alive. And that counts. That's true. <laughs> you do like to say that. That is an like accurate statement. <laughs> Praise be to God. We do have a great show. Mr. Julio Laredo's back today. Looking forward to that. We haven't talked to him in a while. Was it the last time we had him on when he was in studio? I think so. I think that was the last time. Wow. That was, what, four months ago, maybe? From feels like more, but you might be right. It does feel like a long time ago. So uh, lots to talk about today. Do join us if you can and share us with a friend. We would be grateful. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Wednesday, January 18th, and here are your headlines this morning. The Hill reports Russia lays out plans to boost size of military to 1.5 million. The expansion of the armed forces initially announced in December will occur into 2026. Russia had previously ordered a troop increase from 137,000 to 1.15 million in August. The Kremlin justified the buildup by pointing out that what it seemed to be the West's proxy war against Russia, in an apparent reference to the vast financial and military support that Western nations have provided to Ukraine in the nearly 11-month war since Russia in launched its invasion. Breitbart reports Pentagon not currently pursuing back pay for troops just discharged over the vaccine mandate. Press Secretary Air Force Brigadier General Patrick Ryder claimed that the mandate was lawful, despite unanswered questions over whether Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ever sought and received a presidential waiver to mandate a vaccine that was approved by the FDA for emergency use authorization as the law requires. Tune in tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk to R. Davis Yance. We're going to talk about this uh, vaccine mandate. Make sure to check out uh, Catholic Drive Time tomorrow. This one is from CNA. McCarrick's lawyers say he's not competent to stand trial. Former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick is in significant mental decline and may not be fit to stand trial for allegedly sexually abusing a 16-year-old boy. This is according to his attorneys in a new court filing. The legal team for the 92-year-old ex-prelate says that it plans to file a motion to dismiss the case, citing a neurological exam conducted by Dr. David Shrelton, a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. The exam took place on December 5, 2022, at a facility in Missouri where McCarrick is living. And Breitbart reports London blocks Scotland's gender self-ID bill, but progressive Tories say child transgenderism is okay. Rishi Sunak's government has confirmed that it will use Section 35 of the Scotland Act 1998 to prevent a pro-transgenderism law allowing anyone over the age of 16 to legally declare their own gender from coming into law. In particular, experts have warned that the bill would likely make single-sex spaces in other parts of the UK much harder to maintain, as they would too have to recognize the individual's self-declared gender rather than the individual's biological sex. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Charles of Sez and St. Vincenza Mary Lopez y Vucuna. St. Charles of Sez was born October 19, 1613 in the southeast of Rome. Charles was inspired by the lives of Salvatore Horta and Pascal Ballon to become a Franciscan. 
He did that in 1635. He tells us in his autobiography, Our Lord put in my heart a determination to become a lay brother with a great desire to be poor and to beg alms for his love. Charles served as a cook, a porter, sacristan, gardener, and beggar at various friaries in Italy. In some ways, he was an accident waiting to happen. He once started a huge fire in the kitchen when the oil was in which he was frying onions burst into flames. One story shows how thoroughly Charles adopted the spirit of St. Francis. The superior ordered Charles, then porter, to give food only to traveling friars who came to the door. Charles obeyed this direction simultaneously, the simultaneously the alms to the friars decreased. Charles convinced his superior the two facts were related. When the friars resumed giving goods to all who asked at the door, alms to the friars increased also. At the direction of his confessor, Charles wrote his autobiography, The Grandeur of the Mercies of God. He also wrote several other spiritual books. He made good use of his spiritual, his various spiritual directors throughout the years. They helped him discern which of his ideas or ambitions were from God, and Charles himself was sought out for spiritual advice. The dying Pope Clement IX asked Charles to be at his bedside for a blessing. Charles had a firm sense of God's providence. Father Severano Gori had said of him, By word and example, he recalled in all the need of pursuing only that which is eternal. He died in St. Francesco at Ripa in Rome and was buried there in January 6, 1670. St. Vincenza Mary Lopez is the foundress of the Daughters of Mary Immaculate. Born at Casiquenta, Navarra, Spain, in March 22, 1847, she was a daughter of a lawyer. She took a vow of chastity and aided by her aunt, Euledia de Vinsuna, and she refused the arranged marriage, which had been organized by her parents. In 1876, she established the daughters in order to offer some protection to the vulnerable young women who worked as domestic servants. Papal approval was secured in 1888 by Pope Leo XIII, and Vincencia died two years later in Madrid on December 26th after intense suffering from illness. St. Charles of Sins and St. Vincenza, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to them, he said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here, before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Ignatius Catholic Commentary today said, uh, Jesus implies that doing good for the sake of mercy or necessity does not constitute a violation of the Sabbath. One should abstain from servile works, not good works. Very, very insightful, I would say. 
The applicant would say, after confounding the Jews who had blamed his disciples for pulling the ears of corn on the Sabbath day, by the example of David, the Lord now further bringing them to the truth works a miracle on the Sabbath, showing that if it is a pious deed to work miracles on the Sabbath for the health of men, it is not wrong to do on the Sabbath things necessary for the body. Close quote, the applicate. The Venerable Bede would say, but mystically, the man with the withered hand shows the human race, dried up as to its fruitfulness in good works, but now cured by the mercy of the Lord, the hand of the man, which in our first parent had been dried up when he plucked the fruit of the forbidden tree, through the grace of the Redeemer who stretched his guiltless hands on the tree of the cross, has been restored to health by the juices of good works." Well, too, was it in the synagogue that the hand was withered, for where the gift of knowledge is greater, there also the danger of inexcusable guilt is greater. The applicant would go on to say, But the soldiers of Herod the king are called Herodians, because a certain new heresy had sprung up, which asserted that Herod was the Christ. For the prophecy of Jacob intimated that when the princes of Judah failed, then Christ should come, because, therefore, in the time of Herod none of the Jewish princes remained. And he, an alien, was the sole ruler. Some thought that he was the Christ, and set on foot this heresy. These, therefore, were the Pharisees trying to kill Christ. Close quote, the applicant. A couple of things here that I think are very interesting to me. Number one, that the Lord, the Savior of the universe, looked upon them with anger. And that's what it said. It says, quote, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. The Lord often has anger in the Gospels. So the next time we are told that it's all about joy and good goodness and happiness and upbeatness and positivity and and all of these things, let us remember it is right to be righteously angry sometimes. Not to the destruction of our enemies, but to their salvation, for their total conversion. And it is okay to look upon those that would destroy humankind, those that would corrupt humankind, those that would compel them to mortal sin, and be angry about it. To be angry about the scandals inside and outside this church, because souls are being lost to hell. And we should care about that, just like our Lord does. Our Lord wants to save these Pharisees. Let us also desire what the Lord desires, the salvation of all souls, not just some of them. Let us be angry at the injustices in the world. And furthermore, let us do something about it. Hey, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. 
Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry, because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as, there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So, to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Mr. Julio Laredo from Tradition, Family, and Property is going to be our guest. He is uh, he's stationed in, in Italy, I think in Milan, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Vatican reopening an investigation into the 1983 disappearance of an employee's daughter there. Uh, why are they reopening this case? What do they hope to accomplish? And all of that coming up at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. This morning, I discovered there are fresh rumors spreading all across Europe and now into the United States that since Benedict XVI has passed away, there is a document that's been already drafted. It All it needs is the signature of His Holiness Pope Francis, and it would eliminate the TLM completely or suppress it, let's just say, 99%. Is this true? I don't know. It's a rumor. I certainly hope it's not true. I hope it's completely fake news. Uh, I don't know either way, but it is It is uh, making making tracks all across the Catholic Church. Here is uh, a little statement from InfoVaticana.com. I also got this from Robert Moynihan as well and other sources. But here's the InfoVaticana.com. It says, according to a German blog dedicated to news about the traditional Mass, under the heading of Benedict's Moto Proprio, Sumorum Pontificum, it is about a new apostolic constitution with which Francis, extremely unhappy with the slow implementation of the Traditionis Custodis, now finally wants to put an end to the Old Mass. The formula of an apostolic constitution would be chosen to align with the corresponding constitution Missiale Romanum of Paul VI and highlight the the uh, par, uh, the parody of its current regulations with the law of 1969. According to the information sources, the expected constitution contains four main norms. In no church can the traditional mass be celebrated exclusively. The celebration of the traditional mass in any church is prohibited every Sunday. The traditional rite, where permitted, will apply only to to the mass, and in no case uh, to the other sacraments. Finally, every priest is obligated to celebrate Masses according to the Novus Ordo. Uh, That is the rumor. That is the rumor. And again, just rumor. In fact, Robert Moynihan, in his video on his channel, uh, Inside the Vatican, he talked about how he doesn't normally like to talk about rumors or spread rumors. But because he was seeing it come up in so many sources across Europe that he thought he would share the news that there was a rumor. 
Interesting because I saw uh, an article, I think it was a Monday I found this, out of The Critic. Joseph Shaw, who we've had on this program a couple of times, he wrote this article, this commentary over at The Critic, The Problem of Religious Traditionalists. They Wish to Pass on the Flame. I thought this was a good uh, article to read. I won't read all of it to you. Uh, I'll read a portion of it to you for sure. But I think it kind of gets to the heart of why this is an issue for so many Catholics who desire the tradition and patrimony of Holy Mother Church, that anchor that takes us back to the great saints and to so many centuries into our past, and to live it now, not not as a museum, but to be a living and active and lively uh, participation in this faith that's been handed on by the blood of the martyrs and those witnesses through time. Here's, I'm, I'm going to jump into sort of uh, already in progress into this article from Joseph Shaw. It says, Yet there is one area of life where this uncontroversial principle has become very contentious indeed, religious traditionalism. I am most familiar with the Catholic kind, but there is an analogy with debates within Anglicanism. In Unlocking the Church, William White quotes an Anglican cleric with responsibility for church con- uh, conservation, Quote, the three great banes which hold back more effective use of church buildings as an instrument of mission and growth are the following, blocked gutters, bats, and the Victorian society, close quote. The visceral opposition uh, to efforts to preserve the fabric of Anglican Victorian churches has its Catholic parallel with debates about the pre-1969 liturgy. Pope Francis whose office confers upon him the duty to preserve the Catholic Church's traditions, as his predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, remarked, the Pope, quote, is the guardian of the authentic tradition, close quote, has condemned even the most subtle markers of liturgical traditionalism, mocking lace trim on vestments, for example, as a homage to grandma. Accusations of effemacy, are not exactly the traditional register of the papal teaching office. Many Catholic commentators of a liturgically progressive inclination have been scarcely more charitable. There are, of course, pastoral and theological issues lurking in the intricacies of compare chancels, screens, and uh, hiding among the folds of Roman chasubles. White quotes an Anglican architectural writer on one particular place of worship, quote, surely St. Peter's is a church loved by its congregation and no doubt by the Victorian society, but we cannot worship in a free, unfettered, and joyous way whilst fixing into the building like this, close quote. It is a telling remark because the writer admits that the church in question is successful in terms of maintaining an apparently thriving congregation. The question of pastoral success, however, is apparently besides the point. The parishioners of St. Peter, the writer confidently assures us, are not worshiping in a free, unfettered, and joyous fashion. They just can't be. Similarly, A meeting at the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith in Rome, which led to heavy-handed restrictions being placed on celebrations of the traditional Mass in 2021, considers the fact that the annual traditionalist walking pilgrimage from Paris to Chartres had just been attended by record numbers. 13,000 mostly young, mostly French Catholics had walked 70 miles 
accompanied by Gregorian chant, the rosary, and the Latin mass. The journalist Diane Montagna reported of one participant in the meeting, quote, he said, we need to get to the bottom of why these young people are attracted to the traditional mass and explained to the other present that many of these young people have psychological and sociological problems, close quote. It seems unlikely that the cardinal who said this had met many Chartres pilgrims, but he was still confident that the success of the pilgrims, their pilgrimage must indicate not that traditional spirituality and practices might, after all, have some pastoral value, but that there are more neurotics and misfits in the French church than previously realized. As theological objections to Victorian architecture or medieval liturgical rites, these are not very profound, but they are typical. More fully argued objections to both do exist, but they vary from one commentator to another, and they are above the heads of most participants in these conflicts. The contrast between a community-focused, imminent conception of worship of God with a transcendent, hierarchical, and masculine conception does have currency among anti-traditionalists, but most would be hard put to explain these terms. Even more importantly, supposing it were possible to pin the issue down to a theological principle, it is still not clear why the people on the wrong side of the argument should be regarded with such disdain. It is not as as if either the Anglican or the Roman Church is unused to theological disagreement, or incapable of holding together any single communion people with a range of views. You see, Joseph Shaw is an Englishman and a professor and a traditional Catholic. And so he's comparing and contrasting these parallels, these arguments, these fights for the souls within the Anglican communion of those high Anglicans and the low Anglicans that embrace all manner of crazy and the high Anglicans that want more traditional the look and the feel, the architecture, the smells, the bells, the vestments, they, they, something that feels more, let's just say, Roman. And then that conflict that happens within the Catholic Church of the similar, similar nature. Those that want to embrace the world as it stands, as it is, and those that want to embrace the tradition of the Holy Mother Church as passed on by the blood of the seed of the martyrs. It's a war for the heart and the soul in some ways. And that's what Joseph Shaw is contrasting and comparing to here. That's very, very interesting. He says, Catholics who want to hear Mass in the vernacular can turn up at 99% or more of actual celebrations without fear. The availability of their preferred options, however, it is not enough for militant religious progressives. It would seem they will only be satisfied with the alternatives when all the alternatives have been hunted down and destroyed. The last note of Gregorian chant must be drowned out by guitars. The last pew must be dragged outside and sold to a gastro pub. And I think, again, that's at the heart of all of this. Alice von Hildebrand once said, The devil hates the ancient mass. He hates it because it is the most perfect reformulation of all the teachings of the church. And I think that's at the heart of all of this. There is no threat from traditional Catholics when most Catholics have lots of options to go to holy, to go to mass in the vernacular near them. Traditional Catholics have to sometimes drive an hour, two or three, 
when I was in New Hampshire, I met Catholics that were driving three hours every single Sunday to go to the TLM Mass. A diocesan-approved TLM Mass. Not a rogue community trying to be disobedient. Not a community that is out there to cause trouble for His Holiness Pope Francis or Holy Mother Church. Not at all. Not at all. It was a community thriving, busting at the seams, parking lot packed, full of Catholics who love the church, love her tradition, love her patrimony. And guess what? They stayed for hours after Mass. They went downstairs, and they all went to uh, a giant uh, meeting that they were taught the faith by Father, who gave them an hour lecture of catechism. And they were all there. Mom, dad, the kids. It was packed house only. And then they didn't even go home after that. No, then they went back upstairs and did Vespers to a packed house. Parking lot full. It was beautiful. It was utterly beautiful to see. But for some odd reason, this has to be done away with. Why are they the enemy? They aren't making anybody else the enemy. It's not as though these traditional Catholics were out there to get every other Catholic. This is a false dichotomy. This is a false war. This is not a real war. This is something nefarious. That all Catholics, irregardless of your preference, which Mass you go to, should be concerned about. And I think Joseph Shaw in his article, which is pretty lengthy, and you should read it to its full. You can find it at thecritic.co.uk. He says, religious, religious traditionalists have displayed a cockroach-like ability to survive the most hostile environments. I agree, Joseph. And they will continue to do so in spite of any rumors that are out there that I pray are not, in fact, true. I pray there is no further suppression of the traditional mass of St. Teresa of Avila, Therese of Lisieux, Padre Pio, Max Colbert, so many other incredible saints. Let's pray. We'll be right back. More to come. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed what happens when you try to keep up with the current fashions? You go nuts. When we are obsessed with keeping up with the times, we become slaves. Fashions are never settled. To chase something that is always changing is simply futile. It's not freedom, it's insanity. G.K. Chesterton says, The Catholic Church is the only thing that saves a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. Christianity is always out of fashion because it's always sane, and fashions are always insane. The Catholic Church never has to worry about being behind the times, because it is beyond the times. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hey, Donnie, what are the two most important things we receive at Mass? Daddy Christmas scripture. That's right. All right, one more. Who loves you the most? Jesus. That's right. Mary. That's right. (laughs) They love us too. If you don't educate your children in the faith, who will? Educate yourself and your family by listening daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network. And make sure to get the GRN app by logging online to grnonline.com. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos. Here's a couple more headlines for you today. This one's from the Epic Times. Really sad story, actually. Headline is, Newsom's budget includes two doses of opioid overdose medicine for every school. This is coming out of California. While hundreds of schools in the state have already begun to stock naloxone, naloxone, I think, on campuses amid rising opioid-related overdoses and deaths, this year's $108.8 billion budget for the K-12 through education budget includes $3.5 million worth of ongoing uh, doses uh, to be provided to the schools. Among the 7,125 opioid-related deaths in California in 2021, 8.5% of those who died were between the ages of 15 and 19, according to the most recent data from the California Public Health Department. And here's a little bit lighter fare from Catholic News Agency. Thief steals St. Michael's statue from church and then trips and is injured by the angel's sword. Local media reported that during the early hours of January 14th, Carlos Alonso, who is 32, allegedly went to Christ the King Parish in downtown Monterrey to rob the church. In the darkness, Alonso reportedly jumped over the fence in front of the church entrance, broke a glass door, and entered the church. While trying to flee with a statue of St. Michael the Archangel, the alleged thief tripped and fell on the angel's sword, seriously injuring his neck. Monterey civil protection personnel arrived at the scene, cut the padlock on the main gate of the fence, and saved the would-be thief's life. He is expected to be turned over to the public prosecutor's office to face punishment for his crimes. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Mr. Julio Laredo, Tradition Family and Property out of Italy. Good morning to you, Mr. Laredo. Good morning to you. Good morning to you all. Yeah, praise be to God. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Thank you for your time today. Same to you, and thank you very much for inviting me to your radio. Let's talk about this uh, report that came out um, that uh, they're reopening a case from a missing uh, a missing person's uh, crime back in 1983. This young girl, she was, I guess, 15 years old. She was the daughter yes. of an employee living inside the Vatican. Um, how many people live inside the Vatican? Pretty few, uh, small number. And she went missing in 1983. And this case has been an ongoing situation there. But they're reopening it now. What is going on with this case? What can we understand from it? Well, thank you very much. Well, first, first, first of all, the Vatican is not actually reopening the case. It's opening it in the sense that it's going to be prosecuted now by the Vatican. Oh. Up, to, up to now, it had been prosecuted by the, the Italian state. And there was a decision, I think, in 2016 or 2017, of the Supreme Court definitely closing the case, that is, rejecting an uh, appeal that the disappeared girl's brother had done. So the case was closed as for the Italian um, law. So what the Vatican is actually doing is opening a, a new case in with the Vatican courts uh, about the same subject. And this was asked for by the girl's uh, brother who sent a, a, a personal letter to Pope Francis, hand-delivered to him during a, during a flight, during a plane flight in one of his trips, to which the Pope answered in a hand-delivered letter on his turn to the uh, Orlandi, 
the, that's the that's the, the second name of this girl. I'll tell you the story now. Um, so it was um, after this personal intervention of Pope, of Pope Francis that the case was opened in with the Italian uh, courts and thus reopened in the general sense. Now, what what was the case? 1983. Um, this girl, Emanuela Orlandi, she was a citizen of the Vatican, not only a daughter of an employee of the, of the Vatican, of the governatorato, the governorship of the Vatican. And you ask how many people live there. There are actually quite a few. There are uh, several thousand. Oh, wow. And they, they don't pay certain taxes. They have super uh, shopping centers and uh, low-cost um, gas. And they, they have... All sorts of um, they're paid in cash. More uh, most of most of them. So it's a it's a big small world of its own, and most of them are Vatican citizens. They have Vatican passports, and and this girl was a Vatican citizen. But uh, she 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 went to music lessons, uh, concretely uh, flute lessons. So she went out. She called her uh, parents, I'm, I'm, I'm going out for the flute, and then from the singing lessons, there were two consecutive lessons. The flute lessons were from five to six. The uh, singing lesson was from six to seven. She left some minutes before seven and called uh, her family in the Vatican saying, I'm going to meet with some friends, some girlfriends of her same age. They were all uh, uh, 15, more or less. And she never showed up. She never returned. Their, uh, their parents, especially her father, got worried. They went to the police. The police said, uh, we, we have to wait 24 hours before reporting a missing person. So they waited till the next day, and the missing person report was made. And she never showed up, and this is 1983. Mm-hmm. Now, from there, all sorts of investigations have been, have been done. Um, if if uh, someone would would write a book, it will be a, a a thriller that most people would say the imagination of the author is just too flowery. This is too much. Wow! And, but it's all absolutely true. Now, up to now, nobody knows what what happens to Emanuela Orlandi. Uh, so everything that can be said is only a, a hypothesis. Mm. Wow, what a case. So if so much investigations have been done, then what could the Vatican hope to achieve? That's a very, uh, it, it's, uh, that's not a million dollar question. I would say it's a trillion dollar <laughs> question in the sense that up to now, the Vatican has uh, denied any collaboration with the investigation because as we will see, the, the investigation touches very deeply the Vatican, of course. When we speak about the Vatican, we don't speak about the Pope and all the cardinals and all the bishops. We speak about people inside the Vatican. The investigations, uh, <clears throat> as they developed, um, they evolve around three, uh, 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 three, uh, three lane, three lane, uh, uh, judicial hypothesis. One of them is that, and this I will explain later because uh, to my, from my point, point of view, this is the more probable uh, hypothesis. 
there is a band, or there was a band, a criminal band, a mafia, a Roman mafia called La Banda de la Maliana, the Maliana band. And the Vatican was owing money to the Maliana band. So everything, uh, that there are hundreds of, um, how do you say, when, 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 when you have facts that don't prove but indicate a certain path, okay. there are hundreds of, um, they're called the indicios uh, in Italian, that point towards this fact that she was kidnapped in order to have leverage with the Vatican to be paid for the debts the per- people in the Vatican had with this uh, Maliana band. Oh, wow. The second hypothesis, which, uh, you know, if you've heard of Father Amor, the famous exorcist of uh, Rome, sure. that mm-hmm. was the hypothesis he believed in, and several lawyers and judges also believe in this uh, uh, hypothesis, is that she was uh, kid, uh, kidnapped by a drug and sex uh, uh, gang um, inside the Vatican. That is, uh, people ha- making this um, uh, drug deals and sex orgies, etc., et inside the Vatican. The third hypothesis, which is the less probable, is that it has to do with the international situation, uh, because uh, Pope John Paul II was financing anti-communist uh, associations, Solidarność in Poland, etc. And um, supposedly the secret services, the uh, communist secret services, wanted to draw the attention away from that and have an an instrument to apply pressure on Pope John Paul II. But the East German secret services, the Stasi, have denied this. So this is the least probable the uh, hypothesis. So right, uh, right now, the justice will be working with the two standard hypotheses, either a, a mafia situation, a racket situation, or a, a sex and drug situation. Wow. Now, what will come up, I don't know. But um, most probably she's already dead. <clears throat> I don't know. But <clears throat> what we know is that she was uh, kidnapped and kid, uh, kid, kidnapped by, by, by people belonging to the Maliana band. What is the Maliana band? You know that people speak about mafia in a very generic way. Actually speaking, mafia is the Sicilian mafia. Mm. In Naples, it's called the Camorra. In Calabria, it's called the Ndrangheta. In Puglia, it's called the Sacra Corona Unita. In other places... It... Hold that thought right there. Hold that thought. We have a network break we have to take. A minute and a half from now, we're going to be right back. Continue this conversation. We're going to pick up right there with the mafia theory. Wow. How horrible is that? Let's pray for the repose of Emanuela's soul for sure. And uh, let's talk about the tombs that they dug up as well. All of that and more coming up right after this quick break. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friends of tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institution, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. From the University of Dallas and as seen on EWTN. What can I do that is the definite service that God wants me to give to the world? Think of the the challenges that we have coming from our culture. We really need the virtue of courage. Are you ready to put yourself into the hazard? Are you ready to say yes to the call? Are you ready to be a witness to love? The Quest. All episodes streaming now at quest.udallas.edu. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClane. So good to be on with you. Mr. Julio Laredo, Tradition Family and Property, is our, our guest. He's in Italy. Milan, I think. Is that right, Mr. Laredo? It, yes, in Milan. Yeah. Beautiful. Praise be to God. We're talking about this 1983 disappearance of this young woman. Uh, who remains a mystery, and we were just we were right at the break, and you were talking about this. Uh, the prevailing theory is that the mafia kidnapped her, and so maybe you could pick up there. You were saying this is the Sicilian mafia strain. You were giving us some background there. No, uh, <clears throat> as I was saying, people um, people tend to speak about mafia in a very generic way. I see. Um, concrete, uh, uh, concretely speaking, the mafia, but properly speaking, mafia is the Sicilian mafia. Ah. Then there are other rackets because mafia exists everywhere, even without a name. Now, in Rome, there was a, a band of crooks who did services to the other mafias, especially to the Albanese mafia, uh, who was controlling all the drug tra- trafficking in Rome. Mm. Um, this is the 1970s. And this band of crooks, they were doing services, quotations, to these uh, rackets. At a certain point, they decided to form themselves the Roman Mafia, but it, the Roman Mafia didn't actually uh, exist. And they formed a band that the media baptized as the Maliana Band. Maliana because that's a neighborhood of Rome where most of the leaders uh, of this racket, of, of this Mafia, lived, including the, uh, the boss, uh, Enrique de Pedis. Well, when they began to do things on their own, I mean, when they began to extort from um, from businessmen and they began to kidnap and kill, etc., immediately they were summoned by some Vatican people, and um, they were they were told, "Hey, uh, this is not the Far West. We have to coordinate things among ourselves." So they perceived that. Unknowingly to them, there were, let's, let's call them structures of power in Rome, which were, of course, were not those of the state, 
which with, with which they had to deal. And this all got to be known because the boss, Enrique de Pedis, had a, a very young, I think she was at the time underage, um, a girlfriend, a, a girl called Minardi. And uh, they broke and Minardi began to be, to collaborate with the, uh, with the uh, police, with Pilar, began to collaborate with, uh, with the uh, Italian justice. And even though some things she said were not correct, most of the things she said were correct. And she described, for example, through her, they found the car that had been used for the kidnapping. Oh, wow. They found the place in London, London, where the uh, Orlandi was kept, the girl, Emanuela Orlandi, was kept for many years. Mm. They discovered the bank you call it transferals, you know, the bank um, yeah. transactions yeah. from the Vatican Bank Oof. to the sisters, I uh, don't remember what order, in London uh, in order to feed the girl, to lodge the girl, etc. Et so they were earmarked for a certain guest this, uh, this uh, uh, sister school had wow. in London. So through Minardi woman, um, they actually managed to find many concrete, real elements. And she said that it was her who took the money to the Vatican. They even asked her, well, did you go to Monsignor's such uh, uh, apartment? I said, yes, describe it. So we said, well, there's a corridor, there's a what, bathroom on the right, etc." So she knew perfectly well all this uh, situation. And according to her, what was known within the the uh, ambiences of this Maliana band is that she had been kid, uh, uh, kidnapped in order to uh, have a leverage against the Vatican because of a of a great of a big debt the Vatican Institute had with them had with the with this band. This all intermingles in a very I don't know how to call it in an unbelievable thriller way. With remember the killing of banker Michele uh, Sindonia, mm. the suicide of the banker Calvi under Blackfriars Bridge in London, mm-hmm. the crack of the uh, Banca Ambrosiana, etc. There's a whole lot of elements which are absolutely dark, they are absolutely mysterious, but up to now. As I said, the hypothesis the justice was working with that had the most elements of truth in it was this. Now, at a certain point, someone calling himself, uh, but, uh, 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 excuse me, not calling himself, the media called him, him L'Americano. Mm-hmm. He began to call and give information about the case. And analyzing his voice, analyzing his accent, analyzing the structure of the phrases, it's a person of Anglo-Saxon background who had Latin as his his second language and Italian as his third language and knew uh, knew perfectly well the Vatican. And most of uh, of the judges that have dealt with this think it's all the hypothesis. It's an alleged um, thing that it was Bishop Marcis, uh, Marcinkus. 
wow. whom, as we know, was head of the uh, of, of the Vatican's bank. And he gave uh, anonymously. There was no cell phones back then, so they couldn't be traced. Um, anonymously, he he gave several uh, um, several information that were true, several information that were false. For example, the uh, the finding of, of of the body in the uh, Teutonic cemetery in the Vatican, the founding of the body in the Santa Polinare Basilica in Rome, etc. Those uh, tips uh, turned out to be false. So, as I said, it's a mystery. Hmm. Everything I'm saying here has not been yet uh, affirmed by the courts. So I always put in everything that I've said up to now, I put a big question, question mark. But this is the hypothesis. This is the uh, reconstruction of the facts with which the it, it, Italian justice was always working, without receiving any type of collaboration from the Vatican. There were several attempts to involve the Vatican in the Italian court's investigation, and they met with a stone wall. Mm. So what changed now is that Pope Francis opened, as I said, not reopened, but opened the case with the Vatican justice. Why did he do it? What was, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really don't know because this would be to judge uh, intentions and that is clearly impossible. Wow. Mr. Loretta, what a story. Thank you for sharing that with us. You know, I'm, I'm questioning, though, the, the one thing that reminds that remains in my mind, you know, there's so many questions I'd like to ask about this, but we're kind of sh short on time here. But I'm wondering, she apparently lived in this in this uh, this community with with nuns. Is that correct? Yes. So there was a there was a time where she I don't know, she probably could have escaped or she was being held there. I guess the theory is against her will and, and she probably died there. She probably died, died there. And what I've read uh, so is, is that she actually was, was kept drugged oh. and, and it eventually dried, uh, died. Wow. Now, what happened was that one by one, all the leaders of this Maliana band were hunted down and killed by unknown killers, including the boss, Enrico de Peris, whom we know uh, was uh, buried in a pontifical basilica, in San Apollinare Basilica, so much that the rector of San Apollinare Basilica is now uh, in jail for uh, collaboration with the mafia. And um, this this was a scandal that exploded in 2014, I, I think. That uh, and he was taken out of that basilica. Wow! And then they dug deeper because they they thought that they would also found Emanuela's body, and they didn't find. Well, they found skeletons, but they had they found several things, but they were much they were much much older. So up to now, nobody knows. Um, mm -hmm. if she's still alive, but most probably she's not. And one of these anonymous sources, because along the, the process, the, the, there, there have been several anonymous sources that have called the um, uh, police and the uh, justice department. And one of them said, said that Emanuela had been cremated. Mm. 
<clears throat> now, as, as I said, uh, nobody knows anything. Hmm. But they have found the car with which she was uh, uh, kidnapped. They have found the the uh, receipts of the bank transferals from the Vatican to London uh, for this pur- purpose. And they have found all sorts of um, uh, circumstantial facts that wow. point in that uh, direction. Now, what happened in 2016 or 17 was that the Supreme Court of Italy decided, ruled that all these uh, circumstantial uh, facts didn't make one case. So it was closed. Now the Vatican is reopening on wholly new basis with the Vatican justice. Let me ask you a quick question. We are running out of time here very quickly. But if, in fact, the Vatican paid uh, uh, some money to as like a ransom, would there would that not have needed the approval of John Paul II in order to pay that money out? Look, the actual power the Pope has on the finances of the Vatican is very small. You see the case, nothing to do with this, but just as an example. When Pope Benedict <clears throat> put as head of the IOR, the Vatican Bank, his intimate friend and man of confidence, Ettore Gotti Tedeschi, he was literally thrown out of the IOR against Pope Benedict's will. Wow. And Pope Benedict's will couldn't do anything to prevent it. So it's a so good chance this had nothing to do with JP2. No, no, no. I'm just saying this, this episode with Benedict has nothing to do with all that. But I mention it just as a, to, to, to show sure. yeah. how little power the Pope actually has yeah. on what goes on on the financial level. Wow. In the well, we're out of time, Mr. Julio Laredo. Great. Thank you for sharing this information with us on this story. We're going to be praying for justice and truth to come out. Mr. Julio Laredo, Tradition Family Property. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day, sir. God bless you, and thank you very much for, uh, for this invitation, and God bless you all. All right. Coming up in the next hour of the game show, the after show, and so much more, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began his public ministry at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is important to God. Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary. The Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy. Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine, when we run out of joy, when we run out of love. It is then that we turn to Our Lady and ask for her help. She can bring Christ into our lives, our ordinary water, and transform it into wine. And when we invite Christ into our lives to transform us, He creates the best wine of all. For more advice, ideas, and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. The rule of St. Benedict has guided monastic communities for nearly 1,500 years. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Benedictine monks still use the book every day to order our daily lives. So what's the secret to the rule's vitality? Moderation and flexibility. St. Benedict calls it a little rule for beginners. 
Since we're really all beginners, the rule is as relevant for you as it is for monastic communities. It helps us believe, I can be holy too. The rule is also flexible. St. Benedict makes it clear that everything takes a back seat to the guiding principle of saving souls. In St. Benedict's rule, the goal is holiness. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. Remember, holiness is the end point, not the place where most of us start. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Serving God's Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, this is KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. Your destination for Catholic Radio, on air and online at grnonline.com. ...thing on that story? Yes, that's right. Some are attributing this uh, Netflix docuseries to mm-hmm. be the reason why mm-hmm. the case is being reopened. Uh, I, I think there was also, uh, I guess they think there's precedent here, but there's uh, an audio series. I forget what it's called. Maybe you know what it is, but it's like a true crime docuseries, or not docuseries, uh, an audio podcast. Oh, yeah? That reopened another case mm-hmm. where uh, a guy was acquitted for his crime. So Wild. Yeah. Very interesting story. Mr. Julio Loretto is such a great storyteller on this. Wow. The power of media. Holy here. moly. Yeah. yeah. So you can get the podcast of that conversation we just had with Mr. Julio Loretto on, uh, on this case being opened by the Vatican. Um, I hope they find... I hope they find the records that like prove this and let yeah, justice some closure for the closure family. for the family. Exactly. I still don't get why. I still don't get it. Yeah. Why well, I, he said the prevailing theory is there are bad actors at the Vatican Bank owed money to these criminals and they were going to get their money one way or the other. And yeah. the way criminals do business is do crime. So they kidnapped this young girl and she paid the Crazy. price. But you know what really, what really, I mean, this is the, the reason I asked Mr. Loretto is, uh, this this community of nuns, they must have known what the deal was with this girl. She's being drugged. That, every see, day. that's the part so that's really. Are they confusing. collaborating? How do you? How how did? Hmm. How, it doesn't make any There's sense. So many to questions. Me. Is that there makes no so sense. many questions? Is there a, a false sense of obedience? Okay, well, the, the yeah. cardinal has asked me to do it. I'm going to do. What cardinal it. could ask you to to? Hold the girl against or, her will, or maybe maybe they like, told that's her. That's not a thing. I mean, nobody can ask you to be charitable to the to the sisters, that. right? I would say yeah. like, okay, well, maybe they were lied to. They were saying, oh, you know, oh, this little this sick. young girl. No, she's she's a drug addict. Oh, oh. she just you know she. Is, so can y'all take care of her and right. we're gonna try to get her yeah, help. Exactly. And so the the sisters are thinking that she. I have no idea. I'm literally just making this up. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying like to give them. <laughs> The most the charity the doubt, yeah. possible. That's the most charitable thing I could come up with. But I don't yeah, know. I what don't a know. Story. It's crazy. What a, story. what a crazy. And the Vatican Bank is just like, should we just nuke the thing and start over? <laughs> I mean, it's every pontificate. I mean, even the Godfather movies made fun of the Vatican Bank. Yeah. Because it's just they can't seem to fix this thing. You know, allegedly, no Al- pope Al Capone, has been able to fix this thing. Uh, convert on his deathbed. Who? Al Capone. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard that. Yeah, apparently he uh, he uh, repented and he had on his gravestone, have mercy on me, a sinner, wow. uh, put on his gravestone. Well, good for and him. And he was anointed in 1947. So hey, you would convenient. say 
Saint Al Capone, then yeah, possibly like it's Constantine. Possible. Do the do the Eastern Orthodox consider Al Capone a saint? I'm just curious. <laughs> the Eastern Orthodox. They're like, no, uh, no, but not because of him being a mafia. Because he was a Sicilian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely dead to us. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, again, you can catch the podcast of our conversation, with Mr. Julio Laredo, about this case. Uh, on the uh, GRN mobile app, which is the Guadalupe Radio Network, you can search for it in your iOS or your Android app store. Just download that. It's free. You can catch the the podcast, uh, which is up about an hour after the show. You can also find it on our website at grnonline.com. Speaking of podcasts, real quick, though, guess what I learned yesterday? What? Uh, a guest who had been on this program a couple of times, Father Carlos Martins, okay. has launched... Uh, a podcast of his own, but oh, yeah. through iHeartRadio, uh, not that I want to plug iHeartMedia so much, but but Father Carlos Martins, for sure, it's called The Exorcist Files, and apparently the Vatican asked him to do this. Hmm. So he has created a podcast that's done like in a docudrama type of style, where they've taken certain some of his exorcist cases, and they dramatize bits and pieces of it, so that wow. they, he could teach... Like a catechesis on exorcism, demonology, you know, the occult, things like that. Better him than all the mass of young ladies who do that and uh, exploit yeah. all of these stories oh for, oh, for views and just completely throw out crazy theories about what the church does. Yeah, it's uh, that's good. It's good apologetics there. We yeah. should get Father Carlos Carlos back on to talk that's about good, his yeah. new uh, podcast, The Exorcist Files. Sure. I'm looking forward to checking it out myself. So The Exorcist Files, you can check that out. And by the way, uh, when you win the brand new Mercedes. I guess it comes standard with Apple CarPlay, which Ooh. means you can listen to the show streaming on your GRN app. What if you have an Android? Or the, or the podcast. Uh, then you should repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it says Bluetooth, and you'll be able to connect yeah, your, your sure. mobile, whatever, whatever it is, into the dashboard of your brand-new 2023 CLA 250, which you could win from the Guadalupe Radio Network on February the 24th. But you got to act fast if you want to get in on it. You, $25 a ticket. You can get five for $100. Go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle for the rules, and you can purchase your raffle tickets there fast and secure online. grnonline.com forward slash raffle or call your local grn station manager and ask them how you might get your tickets to uh possibly win a brand new mercedes in polar Burr. white i see polar white polar praise be to god i can't wait to see who wins that um all right well uh the, i'm gonna i have a top 10 okay but this one only adrian can answer uh -oh. <laughs> oh boy adrian has to get all 10 right uh oh or else. what's his punishment he has to clean my garage. Yeah, Ooh. okay. <laughs> Are you telling me your garage isn't organized? <laughs> it needs some it needs some freshening. Oh. It's spring cleaning. I've seen his garage. Uh-huh. It's not possible to clean. <laughs> There's no nothing nowhere to put anything. There's, it has to true. just be throwing things in the trash. Ladies and gentlemen, <gasps> garages are functional spaces. Mm -hmm. They're not storage areas. They're totally storage. How areas. many times do I have to say? If you've ever looked in Joe's garage, it's, then you would you doubt that that theory. I, speaking of garages, I have a family member who who spent, uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, mm -hmm. they spent $5,000 to have somebody come and organize their garage. They said, how much? $5,000. Joe, for $5,000, I am available fix to, your garage. I am available to organize <sighs> people, people's garages for five grand. 5000 Joe? <laughs> you <laughs> give it to me, I'll be at your house later today. The I'll worst be, part of it I'll is organize that, my own uh, for five. 
the worst part of it is I did it for free twice. For them. <laughs> uh, so, third time's a charm, as they yeah. say. Well, so come on over. All right, the top ten greatest boxers of all time. Oh no, this is going to be bad. Top ten. Okay. Corrugated boxes. Do I have to get or... it in order? <laughs> uh, There's no way I'm going to get this in right. order. I'm going to go. I'm going to go down the list. Okay. okay. Coming at number okay. ten, who would you say would be the tenth on the <sighs> top ten? We gotta hurry too. Know, you don't I have don't all day. Mike Lewis. No, uh, no. Roy Jones Jr. Okay, that Comes makes in sense. That makes sense. Number Captain 10. Hook. Uh, he's a former professional boxer, boxer commentator, boxer trainer. I like rapper, him. I listen to his commentary. Rapper and actor. Did you? He's have, a rapper. Do you have his albums? No, definitely not. <laughs> his LPs. Definitely not. Yikes. Uh, coming in at number nine on the top ten greatest boxers of all time. You won't guess this one. Okay. No way. Who is it? Uh, Henry Armstrong. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> never, heard of him. never heard of Henry Armstrong. Henry Armstrong uh, held the 125, 135, 147 titles at the same time and just missed winning the 160 crown by points. So, Henry Armstrong. Coming in at so number eight, somebody who was huge when I was young. Okay. Sugar Ray Leonard. He's number eight? Huh. Number eight. On the I list. feel like he should be higher. Really? Yeah. Number eight. Dude, he's amazing. Sugar Ray Leonard. Wow. Great guy. Uh, best known as Sugar Ray Leonard is an American former professional boxer, motivational speaker, and, I like this one, occasional actor. Yeah, that makes sense. On occasion. What do you want to do? I feel I, I like I'm willing to put money that they, uh, they paid him to like be an extra as like, a boxer act? in a boxing movie. <laughs> I mean, the they occasional. They did that to a ton of boxers. <laughs> Occasionally, he's played himself in several things. Oh, okay, you know, so and that's easy. It's like when Donald Trump played himself in that's Mike Tyson. The presidency. Every movie, every movie Mike Tyson's <laughs> in, he uh, or Home Alone. Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number seven, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Okay, I uh, that's fine. It's number seven, uh, he could be there. <laughs> why is I, why is that fine? I, I mean, he is one of the greats. Uh, I wouldn't put him near in the top five. You wouldn't? No, Mayweather, no way. the one who still boxes. He doesn't really still box, but kind of. He, he does like uh, demos, does exhibition exhibitions. matches. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. hmm. I put him down like number eight. Isn't probably. he like the most? Winningest, like money, no, money oh, wise. Yeah, money wise. Yeah, he is the richest uh, boxer ever. Isn't that his nickname? Yeah, Money Mayweather. Money it used Mayweather. to be Pretty Boy yeah. Mayweather, but he changed it to Money Mayweather mm -hmm. after he mm -hmm. like revolutionized making money in in boxing. Yeah. How yeah. much does he pay to clean his garage? Ooge money. <laughs> ooge, ooge cash. Dude. All right, coming in at number six again, old school. Like think back your grandpa's time frame. Okay. Uh, what weight class? I don't know. I have no idea. There's so many. Just make it up. Just make it up, Joe. The information is not quite as readily available as I would have loved from this top ten list. Pound of feathers weight. It's just. Uh, but we're talking the black and white era. Black and white era. Mm -hmm. Rocky Marciano. Oh, no, actually, he did not make the top ten. What? Joe Lewis <laughs> made the top ten. Okay, made Joe Lewis deserves to be on that. Joe Lewis. Lewis. Joe Lewis. The greatest boxer Rocky both Marciano. in and out of the ring. 25 title defenses pre-retirement. He was only defeated once and averaged the defeat in a... Uh, avenged the defeat, rather, in a first-round KO. Dang. What about George Foreman? Mm, did not make oh. the top ten. What? Really? Yeah. Wow. Neither did Frazier, I think. Wow. Uh, okay, I lied a second ago. Okay, so Rocky Marciano is on the list. I lied to you. <laughs> <laughs> Total fake news, because coming in at number five is... Rocky Marciano.
And is he the guy that Rocky is based off? He is the guy Rocky is based off of. The okay. guy was known as one of the greatest punchers of all time. Mm-hmm. And like he would get beat up so bad, mm-hmm. and he just would keep going. He was like a train. It was, it was pretty amazing to watch him. Yeah. Uh, he retired at 49-0. and 0. That's, that's fairly hey, good. 49-0, and 0, and that's in heavyweight, because mm-hmm. Mayweather is 50-0. and 0, mm-hmm. And uh, that's in heavyweight. And... That was back whenever rounds were the, the a boxing fight went fourteen rounds. What a forty nine KD fourteen rounds? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like fourteen, fifteen rounds. 15. All you have to you drag your arm off the off the <laughs> bench. Crazy. You couldn't even Crazy. raise them. That's what they had to get that rid of that because people were getting Ooh. brain damage. Man, oh, that. all right. Coming at number four. Who'd you guess? Um, not an American. Not an American. That doesn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> what about uh, Canelo? Canelo? Uh, nah, he's not going to be on the list. He, yeah, he's too young. Yeah, he's too young. Mm. He's too young. Maybe in a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm, Number four. Not an American. Number four. Not an American. Not an American. Hey, wasn't Oscar De La Renta? No. De La Renta? Oscar De La Hoya? De La Hoya. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar De La Hoya. That's a good guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm still waiting for number four. No, not Oscar De La Hoya? Mm-hmm. Not Ox, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, no. Who uh, didn't Julio, make the list? Uh, Cesar Chavez. No, Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao? Okay, Dude, I like Manny Pacquiao. Manny lost to Floyd Mayweather and still made it higher in the list. He's a better fighter. Woo! He's a way better fighter. He deserves to be higher than Mayweather, but if if... Julio says our tribe is not on the list. I'm going to lose it. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> uh, Manny Pacquiao has won 12 major world titles, by the way. Yeah. Pretty he's decent pretty boxer. Pretty decent. And he yeah. still fights. Really? Yeah. I thought he retired. Supposedly no, Catholic. No, he, no, he left the faith. He oh, no. He, he apostatized, and he became a Freemason. Not good. Not good. All right, coming in at number three. Okay. Who would I say is the greatest Who would fighter you of say? all the time. Mike Tyson. Of course. <laughs> so this list is three? obviously heretical because okay. they put Tyson at number three. Muhammad Ali is number one, obviously. <laughs> um, who did they put number two? Uh, Mike Tyson. Hello, don't pass up Mike Tyson so quickly, okay? Everybody knows the, who Mike Tyson The guy is. needs more time. He was the number one championship fighter at the age of mm-hmm. 21 or something like that. 20. 20, yeah. Yeah. Four months and 20. Uh, he was 22 years old. I think when he peaked, he he resigned the undisputed world heavyweight champion and holds a record as the youngest boxer. Yeah, so makes sense. Mike Tyson, youngest uh, world champion boxer. Yeah, yeah, Mike Tyson, what a guy! All right, coming at number two again, black and white. Okay, uh, you said it's not Sugar Ray Leonard. Mm. Um, sort of like a Sugar Ray, though. You know what? You're right That's Sugar Ray Robinson. Yes, it is. I get them confused all the time. I was thinking yeah. Sugar Ray Robinson earlier when I yeah, said he that. He retired in 65. That's right. That makes sense. He retired in 65. So Sugar Ray Robinson. That makes sense. Coming in. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> number one. Muhammad Ali. You, I'll give you three guesses and the first two don't count. Okay. Uh, Mike Tyson. Uh-huh. Sugar Ray Robinson. Uh-huh. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yeah. Muhammad Ali. Floating like a butterfly. Stinging like a bee. Yeah, he's awesome. Man! Muhammadan, but awesome. Yeah. Muhammad Ali, coming in at number one, is the greatest boxer of all time. Adrian boxes. If you didn't get that, Adrian's a boxer. So, there you go. Hey, let's play the game. Let's have some more fun and learn a few things along the way. That phone number is open, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 
Don, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest rather than going directly to God? Because that's the way God set things up for us to receive His forgiveness. In James 5.16, God, through sacred scripture, commands us to confess our sins to one another. Scripture does not say confess your sins straight to God and only to God. It says confess your sins to one another. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus tells us that he was given authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Scripture proceeds to tell us in verse 8 that this authority was given to men, plural. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, we just saw in Matthew 9 that the Father sent Jesus with the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, Jesus sends out his disciples as the Father has sent him. So what authority must Jesus be sending his disciples out with? The authority on earth to forgive sins. And listen to the next two verses. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus give the apostles the power to forgive or retain sins if he wasn't expecting folks to confess their sins to them? That's crazy. And how could they forgive or retain sins if no one was confessing their sins to them? The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. It also tells us that God gave men the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sends out his disciples with the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Catholics confess our sins to a priest, we are simply following the plan laid down by Jesus Christ. He forgives sins through the priest. It is God's power, but he exercises that power through the ministry of the priest. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas. Just ask Twitter. They'll tell you. But nonetheless, there are a few things we like to do here on the show. But what we need most is a call on the line to play the game. Would you like to play? You could win. It's possible. Call right now. 877-757-9424. 757-9424. That phone number is wide open to the first caller to play the game at 877-757-9424. There are some things we do here on the download the QT. We just don't tell anybody. But we very sneakily try to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before. Praise be to God. It's always good to learn. We like to have a laugh, a good time, when our callers make that call at 877-757-9424. First call gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. Then, of course, we give out prizes, which means it's a winner for everybody because you could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. But you do have to call 877-757-9424, 9424. The kicker is, the secret sauce is, we don't ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They may not know. But they could still win because I'll ask Rudy, I'll ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. 
The other will give us an incorrect answer to the call. We'll have to decide who do they trust more. Then they go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Blessed Catholic. Blessed Catholic collects and restores antique medals, medallions, rosaries, and other items, giving them new life for your devotions. Please make sure to check out their Etsy page as well as connect with them on Facebook. The winner this week is going to receive a handmade St. Francis pocket rosary, which I believe is a one-decade rosary, which features a sterling silver crucifix and white glass beads. It's a beautiful rosary. Thank you so much, Blessed Catholic, for giving, a, uh, give us, giving us something to give away this week. You can check out their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Blessed Catholic. Make sure to connect with them there. And if you want to see their wares, go to etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Blessed Catholic. Thank you so much. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Rudy. Uh, It's going to be a stiff competition today. Let's Mm -hmm. go to the phones. Max, good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God, Max. How are you? Great. Hey, I know I've several times before. Where are you calling from? Remind us. Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. The mighty, Houston. beautiful, frigid. H-town, hold it down. What is it like? Uh, what is it? It's like a very frigid 65 degrees or something. At the GRN, we, uh, I am the only native Houstonian. Uh, you, you are. It's true. Max, where do you go to church? All right. Praise be to God, Max. Well, we're glad you're back on the show. Hopefully, uh, hopefully life is going very well as you sit in Houston traffic and uh, make your way through the, the crowds today. But are you ready to play, good sir? I am. All right, let's do this. We're going to start with Rudy Carlos, church-approved tradition. It's been approved. I called. I asked. Yeah. Um, but well, we had to make a few deals with... Uh, yeah, like apparently throwing out your tie the is mafia, one of the deals we made. Yeah, the mafia said, like, don't wear ties around here. Like you're you know? allowed to have some traditions, just not the tie? Because it's right. gone. It's d- gone. Yeah. You're still wearing sweaters. It's already midsummer here in Houston, <laughs> and you're you're wearing a sweater. Thanks be to God, you know, it's warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cold snap didn't mm-hmm. kill the wildflowers I planted for my daughter. I see. So life is good here in Houston. Some would say it's shady. Is Suspect. It? Sus, as the kids Sus, say? Sus, as the kiddies say today. Okay. All right, well, let's see how this goes. Anyway, are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Which pope ruled for only 22 days? 22 days. Such a short pontificate of John Paul I. Huh. Pray for us. There's a cultist. Isn't he a servant of God? Yeah. Isn't he? No, he's a blessed. He's, he's a blessed now. He's already a blessed? Yeah. 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 Time flies. Yeah. All right. So you're saying blessed John Paul I. That's right. All right. I wonder what Adrian's going to say. Adrian, could you help me? I know that you specialize in short things. Could you tell me which pope ruled for only 22 days? Yes. The uh, the pope who ruled for only 22 days mm-hmm. was Pope Marcellus II. Really? Which, now that I'm thinking about it and saying it out loud, there's a lot of alliteration right there. Pope Marcellus II Ruled for 22 days? I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> uh, grammar lesson? I don't know. Hold right. on. Give me, ten, give me 40 minutes to try to figure out how that works. Uh, I'll give 40 minutes. All right. So, Max, in the meantime, you got options here. This is a tricky question, to be honest with you. Which pope ruled for only 22 days? Was it Marcel- Marcellus II, as Adrian says, or John Paul I, as Rudy suggests? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Max, what say you? 
Well, I believe it is Adrian. Wow. wow. Way to go, man. I would have definitely got Way that to go, wrong. Max. Yes. What a wise JP, guy. No the way. first, the world for 33 days. Yeah, he nailed so it. He knew. Max knew. Max. Woo, buddy. That was great. I would have gotten that wrong. There'd have been no way to get it. Like, right. oh, short pontificate, John Paul first. first. Who else? <laughs> like, I didn't even know who Marcellus was. Like, wow. All right. Well done, Max. Praise be to God. Uh, unfortunately great, great, great. for you, though, you did have to admit Adrian was correct. My deepest, sincerest apologies to you, Max. Uh, hopefully you can make confessions soon. But nonetheless, let's see if we can't get you in there for uh, a, a twofer. We're going to go to Adrian first for this one. Adrian, can you tell me what is the term for a few days withdrawal from the world? And worldly affairs to pursue solitude, self-examination, prayer, and amendment of life. What do we call that? Well, yes, as someone who has a PhD in amendment of life. Oh, yes, I see. I'm a professional at, uh-huh. at, such, at such things. Got it. Uh, that would be called a retreat. A, re- a retreat. retreat. Which I'm sure see. Max has been on many retreats. Oh, I thought retreat was bad. As a Marine, we're told retreating is bad. Um, it's a it's it's a strategic retreat. <laughs> Unless, yeah, okay, we did we did that's we were told retreat. that that's okay. Yeah, yeah strategic. So. We fought <laughs> our way we're, out. We're is fine. We are retreating in order to ready ourselves to go back into the world. That is okay. Yeah. Uh, I suppose. Right. All right. So that's what let's I did just with California. see. Let's double check. <laughs> let's double. Let's get a second opinion, Max. Here, uh, uh, Rudy. Maybe you could shed some light on this topic. Could you tell me what is the term for a few days withdrawal from the worldly affairs to pursue solitude, self-examination, prayer, and amendment of life? Well, at the Cowboy Church, we call that backpacking. <laughs> really? Simple times. Is that like a theological term, or? Yeah. Now, if it's a cowboy church, are you required to backpack via horse? Absolutely. Or would a mule suffice? No, you have to take a horse and all the cows. You have to round. You have to round up oh, all the cows to drive to drive them it's a ca- into the backpacking. Just like the Lord drives us to salvation, exactly. We drive the cow. I got it. Get along, little dog. <laughs> all right. That's right. All right, Max. You got options here. What is the term for a few days withdrawal from worldly affairs to pursue solitude, self-examination, prayer, and amendment of life? Rudy says it's called a backpacking at the Cowboy Church, whereas Adrian goes with retreat. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Max, what say you? I think that's a good idea. I think that that would be great, just backpacking and going out. But (laughs) it is Adrian. It's correct. Oh, Max. Way to go, Max. Way to go. You know, Max, when you go with Adrian, it's scientifically proven. Try the capital S, trademark with E. You get smarter, faster, stronger, more attractive. It's well known. It's well known. I feel feel it already. I feel it already. (laughs) See? Proven. Trust my anecdotal evidence. Max, I'm starting to notice a trend here. Uh, You have uh, twice in a row said Adrian is correct. I'm very Duh. concerned about your your salvation and stuff, Max. I'm going to be praying for you today. Let's see if we can't get you in there That's for a third a straight correct answer, because retreat was the right answer, just for clarity's sake. Retreat was the right answer. But all right, question number three. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me 
Woo, this one's a hard one. Oh, I'm bracing. Take a moment. I'm bracing myself. Okay. Is faith one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? You're telling me I have a 50-50 shot of answering this right. Okay, I'm going to go with yes. It is. You identify with yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting choice. My pronouns are yes. I see. Okay. Adrian, uh, maybe you might help us with this one. Could you tell me, is faith one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Well, that sounds like a trick question to me, Joe. It sure does. It, it does sound like yeah. a trick question. So, you know... I'm going to go with, there's no such thing as fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're what? called they're called gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So, no, obviously not. It's a trick My question. They don't even exist. Alone. It's not such a thing. Are you serious? That's what I'm going with. Woo, man. All right, Max. All right, you got options here. Is faith one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost? Adrian says, no, it's fake news. It's all a lie to manipulate you. Uh, and Rudy oh. says, yes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Max in Houston, Texas. Well, what say you? Adrian, is somebody twisting your arm? <laughs> I think it's Rudy. Rudy. No fooling Max today. Max. No fooling So wise. Max. So what a wise guy. It's crazy. In fact, yes, it is. It is one of the fruits of the Holy Ghost, and Adrian was wrong. Whoa, what kind whoa, of uh, yeah, you, what kind of fruits do you think it? What kind of fruit do you think it would be? Probably uh, not a pomegranate. Uh, fruit Pineapple. salad. Yummy, yummy. Remember the wiggles? No, Remember it's the fate. wiggles. Mm. <laughs> Max, well played. All three right. You did great. Fantastic. Maybe it's a tomato. Tomatoes are fruit. Max, God bless you, sir. Thanks for playing our game and having thank a laugh you, with us. You. We appreciate it. God bless likewise, you, Max. Likewise. We're gonna put you on Have hold, a but a wonderful day, guys. enjoy your time in traffic in Houston, Texas. Hopefully you don't freeze out today. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. If you can join us tomorrow, we would love to have you. Uh, R. Davis Yance is back. We're going to catch up on a lot of the stories concerning the U.S. military. That's on the program tomorrow, plus a lot more. But in the after show, maybe I'll share with you some of the greatest boxers who didn't make the top ten list. Hmm. All that and whatever you want to discuss, go to grnonline.com forward slash cbt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. <laughs> uh. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi. For more information, go to Our Lady of Corpus Christi.org or Salt.net. We offer this holy sacrifice of the Mass for all those listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. We celebrate today, Wednesday of the second week of Ordinary Time. To Jesus Christ, our Sovereign King, who is the world's salvation, 
All praise and homage do we bring, and thanks and adoration. Christ Jesus, victor, Christ Jesus, ruler, Jesus, Lord and Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, Pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Almighty ever-living God, who govern all things, both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Melchizedek, king of Salem and priest of God Most High, met Abraham as he returned from his defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham apportioned to him a tenth of everything. His name first means righteous king, and he was also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. Without father, mother, or ancestry, without beginning of days or end of life, Thus made to resemble the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. It is even more obvious if another priest is raised up after the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become so, not by a law expressed in a commandment concerning physical descent, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. For it is testified, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Word of the Lord. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The scepter of your power the Lord will stretch forth from Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Yours is princely power in the day of your birth in holy splendor. Before the day star, like the dew, I have begotten you. You are, you are a priest, priest forever, forever in the line of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. 
The Lord has sworn, and he will not repent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus entered the synagogue. There was a man there who had a withered hand. They watched Jesus closely to see if he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Come up here before us. Then he said to the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? But they remained silent, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately took counsel with the Herodians against him to put him to death. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus truly is the King of Salem, the King of Peace, whose priesthood is of a divine origin. And of that divine origin, he wants to restore Israel, not only just Israel, he wants to restore each person. And in order to do that, he has to give them the desire first to want to be healed, the desire to want to be whole. And that's what the Pharisees are raging against. They do not want the crippled man to be uncrippled. They do not want the withered man to be unwithered because there's some amount of control. And with our own witheredness, there's a certain amount of control of keeping things the way they are, a fear of healing, a fear of wholeness. And we give God the silent treatment like uh, the Pharisees, and it's a very, it very, it grieves God very much when we do this, when we don't ask for healing, when we don't want to be whole. And so, one of the first things that we have to do is permit Jesus to stretch out His hand to us. It's a beautiful biblical image. In a few moments, we're going to pray the preface where it says that Jesus stretched out His hand on the cross. He offered his life, he chose. It's an analogy for choosing something. It's an analogy for an action, even if it's an interior action or decision, that Jesus is choosing to heal us. He's choosing to redeem us. And not only that, the church stretches out his hand as 
Christ in his uh, sacramental form, in the form of the priest, stretches out his hand and gives you the host in Holy Communion. And you receive the touch, the divine touch of the divine King of Salem, the King of Peace, the priest with divine origins. And you are healed. And there's, there's great healing by permitting the church to stretch out its hand toward you. And this is the same with the sacrament of penance. The priest stretches out his hand in the absolution given to you, and he says, I absolve you. And if you permit uh, Jesus to stretch out his hand to you, you begin shortly to be able to stretch out your hand to what is good. The Proverbs has a beautiful line about that God gives, make, leaves man in his own counsel, and he can stretch out his hand to fire or to water, to good or to evil. And that's what real divine worship is, is making the decision to begin to live a good and holy life. So we have to ask God for that grace. And if we do that, then we start to live our vocation. Uh, spouses stretch out their hands instead of uh, in violence, in affection and service to one another. They stretch out their hands in gentle discipline and care for their children instead of wrathful uh, correction. And we stretch out our hands to the poor and the sick and the suffering. And we begin to be a people whose hands are raised to God in divine worship. And let us ask, therefore, in this Mass, that we have the grace to permit Jesus to be Jesus Permit him to stretch his hands out to us in Holy Communion in, and also in, in giving us his divine grace and that we not resist that broken and uh, fallen tendency to resist God to heal. If we do not, we will, as the Pharisees have done, be the Christ killers. We will kill the presence of Christ in the world. We will rage against him as so many do today. And what did Jesus do in the face of that? He still chose to stretch out his hand to the Father in praying for them. And that's what we have to do as well. May the prayers of the Immaculate Virgin Mary, her Immaculate hands, stretch out to God on our behalf that we may obtain this grace to want to be healed and to become a healing church. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that it may stretch out its hands to God and worship and stretch out its hands to the poor. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may lead the church with wisdom and courage. We pray to the Lord. For government leaders, that they may not obstruct or suffocate the presence of Christ in the hearts of people. We pray a special way for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, and gender confusion. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. And for, for all of our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. For all, those, all of our online viewers and those listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network, and all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, for these we pray to the Lord. <clears throat> Eternal and blessed Father, 
we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down thy weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, so weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus, and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in Him. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Grant us, O Lord, we pray, that we may participate worthily in these mysteries. For whenever the memorial of his sacrifice is celebrated, the work of our redemption is accomplished through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word, through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with angels and all the saints, we declare your glory, as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis uncelia terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui benet in nomine domini, osana in excelsis. 
You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Roho him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Proceptis salutaribus moniti et divini institutioni formati. Audehemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum. Adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et demiten nobis demita nostra, 
Sicut ad nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon We have come to know and to believe in the love that God has for us. For all those who are not able to receive our Lord in Holy Communion at this time, we invite you to pray an act of spiritual communion with us. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Eucharist did pray that all thy church might be forever one. Grant us at every Eucharist to say with longing heart and soul thy will be done. Oh, may we all one bread, one body be. Through this blessed sacrament of unity, 
we pray thee to for wanderers from thy fold. O bring them back, good shepherd of the sheep, back to the faith which saints believed of old. Back to the church which still that faith doth keep. Soon may we all one bread, one body be. Through this blessed sacrament of unity. So, Lord, at length when sacraments shall cease, may we be one with all thy church above, one with thy saints in one unbroken peace, one with thy saints in one unbounded love, more blessed still in peace and love to be, one with the Trinity in unity. Let us pray. Pour on us, O Lord, the spirit of your love, and in your kindness make those who have nourished by this one heavenly bread, one in mind and heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. How thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. Oh, may this gracious God, through all our life, be near us with ever joyful hearts, and blessed peace to cheer us. Preserve us in his grace, and guide us in distress, and free us from all sin, till heaven we possess. All praise and thanks to God, the Father now be given, the Son and Spirit blessed, who reigns in highest heaven, eternal. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. 
And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. My name is Vera. I'm from Holy 